Welcome to the Woke Blokes podcast, hosted by Nick Sutherland from MindFit and Ryan Hassan from the Center for Healing. Let's get into today's episode. Welcome back, everyone, to the Woke Blokes podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Hassan, along with my co-host here, Nick Sutherland. Nick, how are you, mate? Uh, I'm not here to fuck spiders, am I? No, neither am I. No. I'm not here to do anything with spiders. I hate spiders. I'm a little bit arachnophobic. Can you be a little bit arachnophobic? Well, I don't know. Because I think arachnophobic, phobia, yeah. is... I have a deep-seated fear of spiders. I don't think you can be a little bit arachnophobic. You can't be a little bit pregnant and you can't be a little bit arachnophobic. <laughs> I'm, I'm fully arachnophobic then. Right. Yeah, I can't stand them. Okay. How do you go with spiders? Uh, okay. You don't fuck them. But I don't. I don't. <laughs> Unless I'm here to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you, I'm, I'm not here you're to. You're not. Yeah, no. yeah. Yeah. No, so I can't imagine the situation where you would be. It's hilarious that arachnophobia. We should do a podcast on phobias one day. Yeah. Because it's such an irrational thing. You're quite a large adult male. It just makes no sense. Like no. I look at a, 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 like a huntsman and yeah. I'm like, I'm thousands of times bigger than this thing. And the funny thing is when you're arachnophobic, I'm not scared of getting bitten at all. Just touching I'm just you. I'm scared of it touching me and crawling on my arm and just watching it move. Yeah. I think I'm getting more more human phobic than arachnophobic. Oh, right. Mm. Yeah? Yeah. Just you don't like humans crawling on just, your arms? No, just dealing with fuckwits. Yeah, right. Well, spiders are fuckwits to me. Okay. Yeah? yeah. I, can't, I can't have them, right? But then I'm like, I've obviously them. been in my life and I've been in relationships and I'm like to think I'm, you know, I'm bloody alpha male and, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, so right. then when there's a spider, I've got to deal with it and I've got to man up. So there's two parts of me, this part that needs to prove that I'm the alpha male, this other part that wants to cower like a girl. So it takes me like 20 minutes to kill a huntsman because <laughs> I can't get close enough to it <laughs> to actually, uh, you know, get the thing properly. And then if and then you know the worst bit, the worst bit is if like you know you spray it or something, and then it falls down like behind the couch, or, or and it's you know and then the someone will go, oh it doesn't matter now, you just don't worry about it. I'm like, if I know there's a live huntsman in this house, <laughs> it'll come to me while well, I'm asleep. Well, I'm going to need to move. <laughs> it's going to come for vengeance while I sleep, so I have to then find it somehow under these. Uh, under the couch and everything and get rid of it. So it's it's tough. Right. And then, you know, what's happening now, we're talking about it, I'm realising I haven't seen a huntsman in a while. Like, so I'm you're talking... Gonna, you're going to manifest one tonight. Minimum six months, maybe more. I, I can't remember the last time I saw a huntsman. Yeah. So I'm... Yeah, I'm freaking out, yeah. So one's just around the corner, you reckon? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, this is what we're dealing with, people. But yeah, I'm not alone with that, you know. No. My my mum is with snakes. She's she's like freaks out at snakes. Like I used to if I Snakes is a bit more understandable. Yeah, I don't get the spider one. Mm. You know? I understand snake like I don't get birds. People are afraid yeah, of birds. I had a friend who was afraid of birds. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, birds are cool, they're all right. Mm. Um but then I would have I haven't done it in a while, but you know, if I'm like used to flick through a magazine when I was younger or the paper and you know it wasn't you know, preparing myself and also I flicked and there was a big picture of a spider, I would like throw the magazine, <laughs> like throw it to the other side of the room. Like it's dead. But then I'm thinking like what? <coughs> there were times in my life where I had spider uh, incidents. I was wondering, was there an initial sensitizing event? Yeah, I've tried to heal this. I've gone back to events. There was one in particular, we were in the backyard and um, there was a huntsman and um, I was like, 
a little bit freaking out but not like fully i'm like oh there's a huntsman and my mum's like oh yeah i'll, I'll take care of it don't worry come on it's just, it's just a spider you know don't mm. be you know so she got a broom and she went to just sort of flick it off the wall or do whatever and as she's going to do it the huntsman's grabbed the handle started crawling up the handle and my mum screamed and just threw the broom right at me <laughs> <laughs> so i've got this Imagine like some sort of witch spider riding a broom heading straight towards my face when I'm like five. And um, this was uh, one of the significant events. (laughs) 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 When you said the spider grabbed the handle, I thought you were going to say and it picked up and started hitting your mum with it. (laughs) Um, Well, that would have been less traumatic because it wasn't coming in my direction. So that's... I've got to explain to the listeners, I am under the weather today, so if you hear me wheezing and coughing, I don't have emphysema. We are both struggling a little bit. Nick's on the back end of man flu, um, so he's got a bit of a a cough going on. That's actually a legitimate virus. All the men listening know how debilitating that is. So the fact that you're even here today recording, I'm like, I'm in awe of you. Bravo, sir. Bravo, Bravo. sir. My hat is off to you. But when you're making me laugh, it... It It brings it up. throat. I'll get get a bit more serious. (coughs) I'll stop talking about my traumas from the past. Who who came up with the phrase, I'm not here to fuck spiders? I don't know. My item mate Dazza, I I doubt he made it up, Um, but he was first introduced that to me. And um, when we were maybe... 18, 19, so mm. we're talking 15 years ago. It's a very old expression. Like, it, yeah. I used to hear it when I was in the army up in Darwin, like, you know, you'd yeah. go out and these gnarled old Northern Territorians would be like, yeah, sit down, not here to fuck spiders. Yeah, it's when you're about to get stuck into it. Yeah. Stuck into the birds, like, come on, boy, we're not here to play around. So if they can, we're not here to play around, yeah, I, and they've added a little where, arachnid where, twang who, to who it. Who decided we're not here to, to muck around wasn't good enough? Um, and we need to really drive it home a bit harder. I like it. I do too, but I just find the concept. I'm, I'm Like one day there was a man, this expression didn't exist. Mm-hmm. No one had ever put those words together to construct a sentence. And then one day someone said, oh, come on, we, we need to hurry up. We're, we're not here to muck around. And then all of a sudden it sprung into this person's head and he went, boys, <laughs> we are not here to fuck spiders. Yeah, and... and well, what would the expression have been? I wonder. I wonder if it came to him in the moment, like he downloaded it from the ether, or he really thought about it. Like you know, oh, we're not here to fondle mice, he's and he was going through all these different options at home. <laughs> oh, we're not here to fuck chickens, blokes. No, yeah. chicken. No, he was planning it all day. He had a whiteboard out, and he was going to the pub that night. <laughs> he was, mud mapped it out. I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to be <coughs> busting this out tonight. I think I'm going to go with the spider one, and it was really well received. I was thinking about this. I was listening to some comedy stuff the other day, and I. And always I watch stuff like online, the way people comment on things and humorous, I suppose, uh, responses to things. And I think with comedy, we're always trying to just push the barrier, mm. right? So some people will go and push five barriers and it's too far down one end. So it doesn't sort of, it's not very popular. But I find if we're at a place culturally, so the example would be people have been saying, come on boys, we're not here to muck around here. They've been saying that for probably decades, yeah. right? So there was a point where which an evolution from that was going to happen. And the Spider-Man came along and he went for it and All it's right. been picked up. But if it was, if people only just started saying we're not here well, to muck around, around, it's still fresh. Okay. It's still new. Yeah. So this is then the next There's evolution. There's a process for these things. Yeah. So then I think, because that's why stuff that's said that's funny now, if you went back in time or forward in time, people would be like, what the fuck? That's not funny at all. Because right. like I think the, uh, a critical mass of our culture is ready for that next thing. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah I get you. Um, so we've just finished a delicious lunch with our sponsor, Arjison World Ramen. Thank you, Arjison World Ramen, Southland Shopping Centre. And the thought struck me on the way back to the studio here. Who would be your personal sponsor? My personal you know, sponsor? You know how so footballers, the, the team has a sponsor, but then individual players have their own sponsors. Yeah. Who would be your sponsor? As in what kind of company yeah. would align yeah. with me? Yeah, yeah. Who, who would you want as your... Oh, who would I want? Yeah, as your, as your... Oh, you just sprung this on me, Nick. I have. Who would I want? I'm looking out the window at McDonald's. I don't want them. Because you see a lot of, um, you know, people embracing, like there's a UFC fighter, I think Derek Lewis, and he's a big, big fat bastard, and he won a big fight and then came out and um, got sponsored by Popeye's chicken, like fried <laughs> chicken, you know? Like, I think Andy Ruiz, the current heavyweight champion of the world, who's a, um, you know... He's a portly fellow. Right. And, um, yeah, he's sponsored by, you know, some taco joint or something. There's so an English you know? golfer called Andrew Johnson. His nickname's Beef. <laughs> and and he, um, he won a uh, tournament in the States. And then Arby's Steakhouse became his personal sponsor. Yeah, right. Beef Steakhouse. Um, look, for me, probably uh, the local cafe I go to, Farrow Nourishing Eatery. I go there every day. Right. They do great coffee, great meals. I think they'd be... That's somewhere that I would frequent. Like, I wouldn't want a sponsor that I don't really, you know, know anything about or use. Yeah, you There's nothing worse. You know, you see someone and they're trying to flog something and you're like, you don't fucking do this. Like, yeah. you don't believe in this. <laughs> you're still in this for a quid. Who like, would yours be? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, probably something golf-related, perhaps. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Like drumming the golf or something. I thought you asked the question, you'd have a good answer. No, yeah. I don't, no you don't. No, no. You got nothing. We can, we can press stop and start again if you want. No, no. I'm gonna. That, that, at some point in the show, that will come to me. Who my <coughs> ideal sponsor would be. Okay. Um, so Nick's on the back of a man flu. I had bugger all sleep last night, so we're both, you know, not at a hundred percent, but mm. we're just going to pull it together for this show because it's an important one mm. today. Today we're talking about hard truths. Oh, so those those tough pills to swallow mm. you know we've picked eight so we're going to go through eight of these hard pills or hard truths in life that we oftentimes don't want to acknowledge but when we do hear them we think uh, yeah that's right but i don't like it it doesn't sit with you initially it doesn't it doesn't find a home within you because yes. there's too much conflicting beliefs buried in there yes but it's, um, I talk to my clients, uh, I suppose, all the time about how I tell them what they need to hear, not what they want to hear, because I care about them enough. Uh, I don't want to enable them to stay in what they're doing. So these hard truths are similar to that. They're, they're sort of crowbars that get you out of a certain yeah. headspace. Things we, things we need to know or need to think about, but we don't necessarily want to. Yeah. I, yeah. I went to um, a seminar years ago and... This bloke was talking and, and he said, everyone in the room, stick your hand up if you've got a best friend. And everyone's hands went up. And he said, now keep your hand up if that best friend is the type of person that when something bad happens, they'll come over with a bottle of wine and, oh, what a bastard. I can't believe he did that. Or what a bitch, mate. Nah, fuck her. You don't need her anyway. Or, oh, that's nah, all right, mate. You didn't need that job anyway. Sort of enables you to stay in that toxic headspace. And majority of the room left their hand up. And he said, I've got some news for you people. That's not your best friend. And everyone's like, shock, or oh, horror. And he's like, 
the, the best friend is the one that comes around and says, mate, that really sucks that that happened. Let's go head out for a walk or let's go away for the weekend or let's go and do something. You know, they don't enable you to stay in your comfort zone and yeah. and, and marinate in those juices. Yeah. They, uh, they get you out of there. Yeah, I like that. I can even think like back, you know, we used to have certain friends and, you know, say if you get into a bit of a boys kind of club and that kind of thing and it reminds me of someone who might you might think of as a good friend so say someone goes oh mate I bloody fucked up last night I went out and got wasted and I bloody hooked up with his chick but he's already got a girlfriend and it's like you know can you cover for me and that kind of thing and the guy's like yeah I'll cover for you mate yeah. I've got your back like no worries at all it's like yeah that's not a good mate the good mate goes hang on what happened I've got to fucking pull you up on that mate what's going yeah. on here and then having actually pulling him out of that and I, enabling I don't know with a a fairly, relatively new friend that's come to my life in the last year or so, two years. Uh, and I was just driving around with them and I kept picking up on this casual racism. It was just very casual, very... Nothing really mean or outlandish. And I sort of kept letting it slide. And then after probably the fourth or fifth time in the space of an hour or so, I just went, mate, not not sure if you're aware of this, but... Uh, do we do we need to, you know, keep running with the, the casual racism narrative? And we got offended. Mm-hmm. Like no one likes being called out. Mm-hmm. Um, and but to his credit, he sort of uh, it was a bit awkward for a while. Yeah. But then I think to his credit, he really sat with it and thought about it and processed it and and took it as an opportunity to evolve a little bit. Oh, that's a that's a good outcome. Great right outcome doesn't always happen. Doesn't though. always happen. That, that, can end, that can end friendships. Hundred percent. So that defense comes up immediately, and then if that if we're <coughs> if we're aware enough to bring that defense down and actually look at what's going on, then yeah, we can grow. But a lot of times, those defenses stay up. Totally. Yeah. And the, and imagine if that happens in your personal relationship, like with a boyfriend or a girlfriend. What's the what's the landscape going to be like in that area? Oh yeah. Prickly. Prickly. Prickly, isn't it? Prickly. Ouch. Ouch, ouch. Um, All right, let's yeah. get into these hard truths. We've got eight of them. We're going right. to go through one at a time. And, um, yeah, I think we'll just talk about each one. We'll just see what comes up. And then I think at the end we might wrap up. You've drawn a really nice diagram on the whiteboard here. I'm going to discuss that at the end because I think that's the way to start to handle a lot of the hard truths that come our way in life. Yeah, we don't want to just want to tell listeners what the hard truths are. We want to... Uh some of these are going to create a trigger, are going to trigger a reaction, emotional reaction in, in people listening. Uh, and so we're going to help people how to move past that. Yes. We're starting off with a really basic one, right? Mm. First one, hard truth. Death is a part of life. I, I loved thinking on this ages ago. As soon as we were born, we start dying. Yeah. Yeah, I was talking about last night – had a late night last night because I was at a dinner. It was a really great dinner. Someone was talking about, we were talking about diseases and all these conditions and survival rates and like life's the number one disease at 100% yes. so, death rate. But we get caught up in, in you know, and stoicism is big on this and it's like how ignorant are we as a species that we just ignore the fact that one day we're going to die. Yeah, it's, it's the one certainty. Yeah, we, we live like we're never going to die. Um, and I think then we well I haven't got there but like we get to a point where life our health maybe starts to deteriorate or we're about to retirement age and then we're like 
oh fuck, I think I might die soon. <laughs> I wish I had have done all this stuff and acted differently. Yeah, and that's the that's the I guess the eternal question is, you know, you get stuck between saving for the future and spending for the now. It's it's yeah. oh, do you live for the moment or or do you what's the word? Not squirrel things away. You know, yeah, for saving for another a, yeah. a later time. It's the real a real balancing act, isn't it? And I think. I always hear these, you know, I listen to podcasts and people are talking about longevity and life extension and, you know, there's certain groups that say, oh, well, the whole idea of ageing is something that's preventable and we'll be able to um, cure that and just keep living. And I'm like, fuck that. Yeah. I, I would not want to live on, like, indefinitely because there's a great saying, it's like people think death, death takes something away from them, so it takes my life. But it doesn't. Death is giving to you all the time because the fact that we know that we're going to die means that we've got to see life for how precious it is. But that's why people tend to bury their head in the sand and they create an aversion to it. They put a wall up and yeah. uh, they don't even think about death. But you go back to Marcus Aurelius, you know, every day he carried around a token or weight in his pocket that reminded him that um, yeah, memento mori is the expression in Latin. That uh, um, and and you, what is it? And, and one day you will die. Yeah. Well, and yeah. So Buddhism they talk about as well. Everything is impermanent. Mm -hmm. And if we walk around with an attachment to a belief that everything is permanent, that we are permanent, that our relationships are permanent, then we're just setting ourselves up for great amount of suffering. Yeah. And have a look at how people mourn, for instance, like in the in in parts of Europe, like wearing black for a year. Yeah, I I, I can't wrap my head around it. Well, I think it's because we don't think about our own death and really meditate on that and think about it and start to come to terms with it. We just don't think about it, like you said. We just think we're just going to keep living forever. We won't worry about it until it's an issue, and so. Then when, say, a, a loved one dies, you know, maybe one of our parents die or, mm. or someone close to us and all of a sudden, yes, we're mourning the loss of someone but it's also making us realise, oh, me and every single person that I know is going to die. Yeah. And that's a big part of the mourning, I think. I'm, so, I'm pretty lucky, I guess, because of the work that I do and um, you know, the philosophies that I found and um, subscribe to. But also mum is a palliative care nurse. Right, so right. she helps people to die. Yeah. Um, and, uh, talk about heroes like she's amazing. Uh, and we're, we're strange. We haven't had a death in the family for a number of years. My dad passed away um, a few years ago. But before him, I've still got both sets of grandparents and I'm 42 nearly. Mm -hmm. You know, So death in our family is pretty rare. Um and I just I saw my grandparents the other day and and saw that they've aged considerably in the last couple of years. I've always thought they were seventy for some reason. Just forever, sixty. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's weird. And I saw them, and you know, Grandpa's got another couple of stents in his heart, and Grandma's had this thing that's hanging around, and and they've visibly aged. Uh, they're still with it. They're still wonderful. Still living independently and everything. Um, but Mum always sort of talks about their death. And it's, I don't think it's to prepare herself for it, but I think it's just because she's around death so much, she's not neutralised to it. Obviously, we're all going to be very, very sad when you know, our grandparents pass away, but we're going to 
celebrate who they were. Yeah. And it's, we're going to go into the constructive thinking up the hard path instead of yeah. down into that destructive dwelling on things and getting stuck in it. But I think, I mean, I was talking about meditating on your own <coughs> death. Like your mum has just meditated but like lived being around death for so long. So she's got just a much more balanced perspective than so yeah, many other people. Totally. Yeah, so that's why she can just talk about her parents' death and it's not going to cause her so much sadness and everything in the, even just thinking about it in the future. Yeah, and that's pretty macro. Death is a part of life. Uh, okay, so that's, that's, that's very finite. But if you go micro and everything has an expiry date, so death is in the death of a relationship or the death of mm-hmm. a pet, as we were talking about earlier, or a job. There are so many endings in our life, but every ending is a beginning of something new. So I think if we can come into an acceptance that death is a part of life on that bigger scale, then it will help us on a daily experience when you do lose your job or when you Mm -hmm. do get kicked out of your house when your lease expires or whatever the case may be when you go through a divorce or whatever, you know. I think... um, now, they, once again, in Buddhism, they talk about the source of all pain is attachment. I think we need to, in our society, start practicing the art of detachment because one of our basic human needs is a sense of belonging. So we do need attachments. Although Buddhist you know, monks practice non-attachment, but they're living in a fucking jungle in Thailand somewhere. So <laughs> for those of us that choose to live in this modern social construct we do need attachments that's why we have clubs and all these sort of things um but we've got to get better at detaching of letting go when you know if you if you drink the milk past its expiry date you're going to continue to get sick and mm-hmm. wonder why am i getting sick well it's because the milk's off you're holding on to something past its expiry date yes yeah not really really true i think all of those things even death itself is a transition so death is a transition. The ending of a job is a transition. The ending of a relationship is a transition. And if we can see it that way, and yeah, we maybe get uh, upset or we're grieving in the moment, but like you said, we can not hold on to that off milk. Then we can be, get excited about you know what's to come. You see it with people all the time, especially in Melbourne. You get four seasons in a day. But you see it with weather all the time. And people are like, oh, it's so fucking cold. I can't believe how cold it is. <laughs> And they're just waiting for it to get hot. And all of a sudden, summer kicks around and it's yeah. hot. And they're like, oh, so fucking hot. Oh, Jesus, when's it going to get cold? There was like one afternoon the whole year, like, oh, it's fantastic. It's exactly. 23, 50 degrees humidity, perfect. Exactly. It's my perfect temperature. But so seasons die four times a year, if you want to look at it that way. Yeah. Uh, but people, as humans, we don't live within the laws of nature. And we're going back to that earlier podcast. We don't mm. live within the reality of what is we live in the reality of what we think should happen or what we demand or we live in the attachment of our desire yeah so i don't know how people can live can can be happy because they're also walking around with an expectation that i should be happy i should just be happy you know but they're walking around with these attachments of desires to uh, I, i wish it wasn't so hot happiness doesn't compute with that uh, that, mm. that is not conducive to being happy so if you're carrying around an expectation that you should be happy with an uh, attachment to a desire you're fucked 
Yeah, you're, you're, you're going to have neither. Yeah. You're going to be caught. You're going to be in, in a constant cycle of suffering. Yeah. Complaining and blaming and whinging and whining. Yeah. It's not fair. Yeah, and that it's, it becomes all about us at that point. So it's like, you know, my your mum's getting older ever and it's like, oh, mum, mum, you know, she loves me and she does that for me. She can't leave me. It's like, oh. death, death is a very um, egotistical thing. Mm-hmm. It's all about what am I losing? Yeah, grief. Grief is a, is an egotistical thing. It's what have I lost? It's it's, it's the center of it is all I. It's me. It's my. Mm-hmm. It rarely is it about the other person who's no longer fucking here. Yes. So remove the ego out of it and things get a lot easier. Yeah, it can be a celebration. Should we slide down to the bottom one then? It's a nice little segue. Oh, yeah. Okay, go for it. You. Yes, you. Listening in your car. Oh, I thought you were looking at me. Riding your bicycle. Sitting in the chair opposite me. Walking your dog. Walking your dog. You are not the centre of the universe. Ah, bullshit. I am. No, the rest not. of you aren't, but I am. Unfortunately, Ryan, you nor I are the centre of the universe. Really? Mm. Okay, this is news to me. Newsflash. Here's <laughs> <laughs> just a hand. Ryan Hassan is not the centre of the universe. This is a uh, another hard truth. You um you. Oh no, this was the other one. Yeah, but this is a hard truth. Yeah, yeah. This is you know the world isn't here to to make us happy the universe the universe didn't start 13.8 billion years ago and form hydrogen clouds that formed into helium clouds that eventually formed planets which one of those many many planets had life and out of the time that we've been alive i've been here for 35 years out of 13.8 billion humanity's only been here for 250 a blink of an eye a blink of an eye so and we think not just ourselves but us as a species Mm. are the center of this universe it's all ego, man. Yeah. I loved, um, and we've talked on this before, and I think we have different sort of takes on it. Uh, maybe it's just a different language, but you don't believe that we can get rid of the ego. Um, and I, I don't either, but I think I think we can live most of our life without ego influencing mm-hmm. what it is that we think and say and how we act. Yeah. Um, and a big step in that direction for me was doing the Vipassana retreat. Uh, and in the discourse at the end of the day, you're listening for, for an hour. Um, and a constant theme that came up was less me, less my, less I. Mm. So I, you know, you see the point of Vipassana is to sit there without moving a muscle for an hour at a time. And you constantly hear these thoughts at the start that, I want to move. I want that to move. I want that to go. I want this. And it's just I, 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 I. It's a really good exercise to do is to start becoming aware of how many times you say those three words. Because I know for me, when I'm uh, at my most sort of stressed or or struggling, my internal dialogue is just, it's rife with eyes. Isn't it? Yeah. And I say, it's I, and this is my story. And look how, you know, tough I've got it. And the narrative just becomes all about me. Someone call me a wambulance. I need three wambulances. (laughs) (laughs) Three. One for me, one for mine, one for I. One for my ego. (laughs) (laughs) But um, yeah, I just, it's the same. We think the same thing. I just like, I get funny when people use the language like, you know, there'll be like a spiritual teacher and they've just posted and said, yeah, and I've 
been in, in nature and I've just dissolved the ego. It's like if you just completely dissolved your ego, you wouldn't be on Facebook. You would have no need to tell your followers about this. Like mm. that's your ego wanting to do that. If, if you had literally no ego, you'd sit in those woods and you would just wouldn't move and you probably wouldn't eat and you would just starve to death and you wouldn't worry because everything was one. Yeah. Yeah, you wouldn't be differentiated as a person from the rest of the world. Yeah, truth, truth to that. But I think, yeah, that we can – I think we can move up and and well, listen that, to a different you part say, of us. Interesting you use the words move up because to me that paints a picture of growing or evolving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And you look at little kids, uh, it's it's all me, it's all my, it's all my, I, it's just the world revolves around these kids, you know, so they think, and until we're sort of teenagers and, and even sometimes up to we're 20. It's a... It's a uh, uh, what what gets my goat? That's another one. <laughs> it gets my goat. <laughs> Who the fuck said that? Oh, gets my goat. Gets I, my I goat. really like that one. Same, but I want to know whose goat was got. Yeah. Anyway, it uh, gets my goat. Uh, my my big thing at the moment, you know how I get onto things. Semantics is important to yeah. me. And another one of mine. You're is, an old stickler, Nick. Uh, another one of mine is adults need to fucking grow up and mature. And that's that. Take responsibility for your happiness and outgrow all these shitty old unhelpful thinking styles and all that sort of stuff. And you don't. You look at around and you see so many adults having these tantrums, these adult tantrums, because they're not getting what they want. It's all me, my I. Mm-hmm. And how can, as a society, how can we progress if it's not about everyone else? If it's not all in- inclusive, like it's it's all. If you want. You know, it's, it's like, fuck off, we're full. Uh, oh, know, God, uh, yeah. Or the f- fucking invaders are taking all our yeah. jobs. They're not, mate. All right. Right. But it's, it's, it's all about you and what you think and what you want. There's no inclusiveness. There's no capacity for inclusiveness in it. There's no capacity for growth. There's no, there's no love. Yeah, I think this, this is a really good point because it's like we go on this journey. So when we're, we're born up until we're about two, 18 months to two years. We're born until we're two. No, <laughs> from when we're born <laughs> until, I was born when I was two. I just didn't want to come out. No. You're like an elephant. <laughs> That's what she said. <coughs> um, <laughs> I just threw up in my mouth a little bit. <laughs> That's what she said. Um, so, <laughs> and there we go. Uh, so from when we are born, we go through this arc, from when we're born until we're 18 months to two years, we we haven't developed that ego or sense of self yet, so we don't see ourselves as separate from everyone else. We're in wonder and awe. Yeah, and, and we're one. Like yeah. we're one with everything. Yeah. Like you have a, a kid who's at that age, and you have um, put some resin or something on their face, and they'll try and wipe it off their mum's face. They don't understand that they're separate. They're not on from, Facebook yet. They're not on Facebook. They're on literal Facebook. Um, so they they don't understand. So then all of a sudden, from this age of two onwards that ego starts to develop and we start to differentiate and understand that we're a separate person. Get this okay? sense of self. Sense of self. So this is like the whole concept now, the whatever your beliefs are, the universe is now going to start experiencing itself as this person, mm-hmm. right? Which is, I, I believe that's why we have ego, to have an individual experience. Mm-hmm. So we go through then this time where we're a toddler, we're just like going to primary school and high school and it's all about me and my sense of self. Okay, so that ego gets built up and I start to build this identity and who I am and all that kind of stuff. And then we grow up to be an adult. Then I think the journey then 
which most of us don't get out of, is we need to now come back to that sense of oneness and play and but now with the learnings and the experience that we've had up until this point making us an adult. Now, if we don't make that journey, then we'll just keep playing out childhood patterns from when we're the age of two to 15 or whatever the age is. And we just keep basically having these tantrums and seeing these same things happen over and over again because now we're just a grown-up toddler, mm. um, basically, who can speak a bit smarter and, you know, do you know, money useful things in the world and drive yeah. a car and we'll that kind of thing. Reach highest places. But we're still super childish. So I think we need to arc and come back is to that, that. Is, is that. Is that becoming woke? I think so. Hmm. Yeah. I think, I don't know, it's, <laughs> I know our show's called Woke Blokes, but it's kind of a, I don't even really like that term woke, to be honest. No, that's why we call it a woke place. It's a bit, of a, piss, bit of a pull the leg, isn't it? Yeah. Instead of pulling your leg. What is that? I've made a joke, so am I pulling your leg? Anyway, that's hey, another why, one to why, did, why did the chicken cross the road to get to the other side? Now, come here, give us your fucking ankle, will you? So yeah. Pull your leg. <laughs> Um, so, I like I like that. Do you th- it, what do you think about that? It's 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 going full circle. Yeah, it's going full circle. But now, I've come back to where I was. But now I've had all this experience and I've built this sense of self. But I'm coming back to this understanding. Do you, you want to hear something funny? You're going to pull my leg. It's not really funny, but okay. it's um, so ten years ago when I when I was at rock bottom, mm-hmm. I was living in a certain street in Mount Martha and I was working in a certain street. So I was, I was living in Helena Street and I was working in Ewells Road. Mm-hmm. Fast forward 10 years and I'm back living in yeah. Helena Street. I was about to say, isn't that where you live now? And, and work? I'm working in Ewells Road again. <laughs> like I've, I've moved 20 houses um, and... I'm, I'm, I'm working two or three doors down. Yeah, wow. Ten years later. I've gone all around really? the world yeah. between here and there and I've come full circle. This is uh, like that classical hero's journey, isn't it? It's, so it's, it's coming so full circle and coming back to the place that you started but to know it again for the first time yeah. because you're so different from your but experiences. I, but I came back to it straight from Thailand with that, as we've spoken about, you know, that, that mantra of living life as slowly as possible. So this time it's been a completely different experience yeah. for me. Yeah. And I can see the growth between then and now and it's it's worlds apart. It's a completely different version of me. And that, and that's how you really know because you've come back to the same environmental stimulus. Mm. So you can't say, oh, it's the environmental stimulus that's, that's mm. changed. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's an internal shift because it's the same place but a very different experience. Yeah. So, yeah, I like to think of that hero's journey not just in the path we take and the purpose and mission we find in life but this whole arc back to that free, playing, you know, open, yeah. expressive baby self but now with all the capabilities and skills and everything of an adult i, I got told the other day that uh, i'm emotionless that i'm flatlining mm-hmm. and i understand why the person said that but what i realized was that i'm just not dancing to their music and mm. they want me to explode and they want me to get angry and they want me to to experience all these negative emotions mm-hmm. and I'm so past that and that's not in a I'm better than anyone it's it's not that at all it's just I I I see absolutely no value in getting angry I struggle to get angry 
mm-hmm. because it serves me no purpose. Yeah. So that's what I mean. I'm past that. Um, so it, I think it's it's that coming back around and, and coming into a position and going, where am I and what am I doing? And, and I, I constantly check in on myself and I'm like, I am a 40-something-year-old adult male does it make sense for me to be having these adult tantrums? No, it doesn't anymore. Mm. So I, I sort of, I can't. Does the anger not come up? No. Yeah, well, that's it, yeah. No. It's like... Um, but it, but there's emotions on a different level. There's yeah. The emotions that I'm experiencing are probably ones that they're struggling to see externally because it's inner peace mm-hmm. and it's equanimity and it's a sense of calmness and composure and... They're very deep emotions, they're very powerful emotions, but they're just not loud. And I love that expression, confidence is quiet, but arrogance is loud or whatever it may be. I don't know if it's arrogance is loud, but something along those lines. And I feel that's where I've gotten to with a lot of hard work. So coming around 10 years later, you know, I've I've traveled and and done so much to bring that back to this space. Um, But that that will trigger people because yeah. a lot of us get caught up in the, you know, you should be feeling what I'm feeling. But that's that, they're the centre of the world again. That's right. Yeah, this is the same the same point we're going on. You know, so I find that with, um, I made a decision a, few, a couple of years ago to just stop any time I notice that any conversation's heading towards gossip. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Like, I'm out. Same. I'm out. Yeah. Because it, it's, it's so... You just, I just don't want to get caught up in that energy. I think Don Miguel always talked about as gossip is just it's garbage. Like it's just it's if you're looking at your diet, it's like eating just a turd sandwich yeah. off the side of the road, and it's really easy, especially if you've got a group of three, four, five people, and they're all gossiping, and there's that energy, and it's easy to kind of get dragged into. So it's just a conscious decision to say, as soon as I feel that coming on, I'm just I can't engage. What's well, that? Socrates, I think, was saying that weak people talk about other people. Yeah, strong people talk about ideas like the the lowest form of communication so that's just not trying to get wrapped up in that energy so going going full circle Mm -hmm. what what i think i've brought back to this is the next hard truth what i what i learned on that 10-year journey oh what is it is that there is no utopian world yeah that's interesting because there's always a lot of you know a lot of books written and a lot of um people talking about how we can create this utopia where yeah. we all live in harmony and everything is uh, perfect and wonderful so you're it's a terrible you're saying concept terrible concept it's a terrible concept mm-hmm. uh, it's funny I, I try and interject a bit of humor into my work with my clients mm-hmm. and in my office there's a little window that you can look outside and especially with a new client they'll come in and they'll be talking about all their problems which are actually just symptoms of things that are happening on a deeper level and and I go, yeah, just just hang on a minute. And I sort of open the curtain and they're like, yeah, what the fuck's this dude doing? He's just stopped in the middle of a discussion to look out the window. And uh, I, I make it purposely awkward. I, I leave it just linger for yeah. 10 seconds or so. And they're like, oh, what are you And I'm like, shh. Just, just keep looking. And I'm like, fuck, it's still the same. And they're like, what do you mean? I said, it's still imperfect out there. Still not utopia, damn it! And they start laughing because they understand that they were being irrational. What they were talking about before I said mm. that was that, oh, and, and my kids aren't always, you know, 
behaving properly and my job's not always right and my yeah. missus isn't always happy and and the neighbors like, had a party friday night yeah, and i couldn't sleep so loud yeah. and of course so I th- what i what i came to an understanding is instead of trying to bend and twist and shape the universe to suit your needs and this happens when you think you're the center of the world it's it's learning to live in an imperfect world yeah and letting the world just happen yeah and i think another way i try and look at it is the world is perfect in in essence that everything that's happened up until this point of so many factors that we can't even fathom Mm. as human beings I think, and that doesn't mean that things are uh, right or wrong or we shouldn't try and improve things, we shouldn't try and, you know, that we shouldn't have got rid of slavery and we shouldn't work to stop having wars and that kind of thing. But I think acknowledging that up until this point, everything, the universe and the world we live on is perfect in that everything has led to this moment. I think we can, that's a, a, an empowering place to work from. Well, because the definition of happiness is to be content. Right. So. If you think the world is perfect, you can then be at peace. You can be content. If you then marry that, however, with a belief that tomorrow can be be better, Mm -hmm. then that's where progress can happen. Yeah, this is an important point. I like this because you get a lot of people, especially, you know, online today, we get fired up about certain things. You know, we're like, oh, the system, we've got to turn the system down. You know, conspiracies, government, you know, all this stuff. And all of a sudden, you're, the things that you want to change, you're fighting it with the same energy that it's coming with. Yeah. It's like fire with fire yeah, yeah, yeah. and nothing's happening. Um, whereas I think the, the most important changes are met when we can find some contentment and peace with how things are and then we want to invoke change from that point. Mm. I think that's how we make change. That's how we get enough people to realise you know, something that's happening in the world that enough people can catch on and we can make change that way. I think that's important. Well, when the meditation and classes that I run and, and, and people I talk to in general, they sort of, they ask me, um, how, how, do you, how do you create happiness? How do you create that inner peace and that equanimity and that sense of contentedness? And, and I say exactly that. I, am, I come into an acceptance that I, I, I'm either not perfect or I am perfect the way I am, mm-hmm. you know, whichever way you want to look at it. Um, so I'm, I'm happy with who I am today, uh, but tomorrow is a chance for me to learn something new. Yeah, and that's all I do. And I think we're always we're always doing our best. That's exactly. something I try and remind myself of. Like, but you beat yourself up ever. Yeah. So. Yep. <laughs> Self-flagellation <laughs> again. <laughs> Can you? Could you? discard the need for that by just understanding that you're, you're doing the best you can every yeah. day. Yeah, so that's why I have to... That's that's still a conscious process for that's you? That's right, yeah. Okay. It's still, a, it's still a, a catching it for me, you know. Yeah. So, you know, be maybe I haven't, you know, got done what I wanted to get done that day. I'm feeling a bit flat and I need to rest and that the automatic is wanting to jump on top of myself and beat myself up and yeah. I have to sort of take conscious control of that and just say, hey, you're doing your best. Yep. And, and turn that around. Yeah, I'm sure um, that resonates with a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. But it, it is still a, a conscious process for me yeah, that, yeah. I, that I'm working on. That uh, uh, System 1, Daniel Kahneman would call it, that's the automatic um, thought, mm. is, is tends to be that. So that would be that catch, laugh, rewind and yes. change. Yeah, I'm kind of employing that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Your diagram, to be honest. So My what, diaphragm. What we, My diagram. Your diagram. <laughs> 
next time. All right, so there's no utopian world. So hang on, let's do a quick recap. Death is a part of life, so everything's impermanent. Everything's always in flux and changing. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to get fired. You're going to go through breakups. It's, it's all part and parcel of it's, it's what you sign up for, mm-hmm. whether, whether you think you signed up for it or not. Yeah. As yeah. soon as you start, as soon as you're born, you start dying. Yes. Get your head around that. Get your head around that. And uh, you're not the center of the universe. You're not. You're not. Everyone and all is everything. Everything. All right. So let's move on to the next one. This one's an important one. Not everyone will support you along the way. Bastards. Damn those fuckers. They said they would be there. Fuckers. I um. I had an interesting aha moment one day mm-hmm. when I launched MindFit. So I, I, my business was called State of Mind Health before. It's current inception. Uh, so I launched, had a launch from MindFit uh, 18 months ago or something. And at the launch night, none of my friends turned up. Yeah, right. And I I had no expectations, so I wasn't disappointed or gutted or anything. I just uh, I had this thing, whoever's meant to be there will be there. And the most random people turned up mm-hmm. and it was awesome. Yeah, it's fucking awesome, and I realised hardly any of my friends listen to this podcast. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, they don't support what I'm doing, um, and that's cool too. It's f- totally fine. Yeah. So yeah, and we we get caught up with this. We start they using should. the yeah, the S word. I was about to say they should. <laughs> the it's, should. It's the should. They should be doing. But that's this. the demand. It's that I'm the center of the universe. Yeah, and I think that yeah, a lot of these are going to tie in together with each other, but I think. You can also reframe that because, yeah, you, as soon as you have an expectation that this person's going to support me and they're going to be there forever, then you're saying I'm okay as long as this thing doesn't happen. I'm outsourcing my happiness. I'm only going to be happy if Bill, Dave, Mike and Shaniqua Fonda turn up. Yeah, uh, it's quite the crew. Um, and <laughs> Solid. I actually had this with a, with a client uh, recently and I think last week or the week before and we're going back and working on a few events from his um, – past and there was a particular girl that he went to school with and there was an event in primary school and high school and not really like bad embarrassing events for him and you know so you would see her as someone who definitely didn't support him on his journey Mm. but then as we did the healing around it and we sort of came out of that what we came to the conclusion was wow what an amazing teacher she was yeah yeah so did she these things really helped shape and teach him about certain things in life so he kind of was being supported yeah, by this not person, in the way that he wanted. not in the way that he wanted at the time. Yeah. But she was still supporting him in being a teacher by offering him some sort of resistance to and overcome. Isn't that interesting? You can only see the experience of people as a teacher when you understand that there's value in everything. Mm. And I was talking to a friend the other day about the meaning of life, just a light-hearted discussion we're having. Just uh, that in the weather. <laughs> The local sports team <laughs> and the meaning of life. <laughs> and um, I was talking about how I had a, a, a thought in the shower about, I think for me the meaning of life is just to experience it. Mm. And, and then that was sort of, uh, I read a Bruce Lee quote about something similar as well. It sort of echoed that. Um, and what was I going with that? Um, the yeah. meaning of life, it's just to experience it. So everything is neutral until we decide... You know, until we filter it and decide that it's good or bad mm-hmm. based on our 
beliefs and our expectations and all that sort of stuff. So it's it's wonderful work when you do it to get yourself in a position where you change your perception and start looking at everything differently and, and people differently and going, right, I may not agree with you, but you're a mirror and I'm going to see my reflection yeah. and I'm going to see things I don't like, but that's okay because it's something for me to work on. Yes. So I'm actually there's something of value in this for me yeah that's that's an important little do you think tip, you can do you think you can do that while you've still got mainly ego running through your system though uh no mm. like you have to be pretty woke <laughs> to start to do that um, <coughs> because that that it takes such a fuck. you have to be hashtag woke as fuck and it takes a real commitment to being uncomfortable and owning your shit. Mm. I think owning your shit is the most important thing we can do. And to own your shit, you have to ignore what that ego says. Because mm-hmm. then you got to walk through the world, like you said, seeing everything's neutral. So mm. every experience is just something that's happening in front of me. It's going to be happening whether I'm here or not. It's just, I'm just looking at it, <laughs> right? Now, based on that information coming in, certain things that happen are going to spark a little reaction in me, mm. right? It's just going to stir up my stuff, my stored shit that I haven't dealt with from my past. Yeah. So now, am I going to use this experience, this stimulus that's happening, that's your word, to uh, get triggered and just try and project that pain back and start to get into a whole story of why me, why is this person doing that, why can't this happen? Or can I recognise, oh, what's happening to me in this moment is stirring up something inside of me can I now start to work with that energy and release it instead of continually pushing it down well it depends if you come from the school of Dr. Viktor Frankl or not and you can step into the space between that stimulus and a response so most people walk around the stimulus they react and then they go into this conflict or That's, this suffering that goes back to your point like you have to be a, you have to have a certain level of awareness and I think I've done a certain amount of work watching your ego and your thoughts and your feelings to be able to have that gap in between. But, and mindfulness is a, a, what do they call it, a catch cry or a cool word or... It's a bit of a, yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a cool thing at the minute. There's a certain term for it, but I can't remember. Uh, anyway, mindfulness is all the rage and, and everyone loves using it, but I don't think people are teaching people how to be mindful how to step into that space between stimulus and response it's yeah. all good and well to say be more mindful but there's actually a really important i don't even i take. don't even like the word though because like mindful i don't want a full mind <laughs> i want a fucking empty mind <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's um yeah there's a there's a, a certain things you have to do some fundamental things you have to do in order to put yourself in a position where you can sit and observe things, even if th- you can feel that they want to trigger you before you allow them to trigger you, you sit there and hold them in a space first and you can uh, unpack and observe them. And that's where you can say, ah, oh, this is my attachment or this is my ego or this is such and such. Mm-hmm. And then you can process it and, and alleviate whatever it is. But it's, it's really... Um, it's a tricky thing to learn how to yeah, do. Yeah, because it, it means we have to be uncomfortable. That's yeah. why. Discomfort precedes success. Yeah, it means we do because you have to – what happens normally when that moment happens and we might even just for an instance we sense that uncomfortableness that comes up of us mm. getting triggered and then we will do one of two things. We will project it. So we'll just try and get that poison at someone else and mm-hmm. try and make mm-hmm. them feel it. Feel my wrath. Feel my wrath or we will – 
escape. So we'll just distract ourselves. So head in the sand. We'll quickly go on our phone. We'll quickly just start working again. We'll quickly check our emails. We'll have a beer. Mm. We'll do something just to ignore from that. So meanwhile, the energy that we first started to feel doesn't get released. Mm-hmm. It just gets pushed back down, mm-hmm. and then it'll get triggered again. Triggered I heard. Again. I heard it's good to bottle things up though. <laughs> <laughs> No? Is that not true? No. Oh, fuck, I've been doing it wrong. Well, it depends what you're bottling. I um beer. I um I I I am gonna use the word I had to. See that was very mindful of me then. I'm I'm very well done. considerate of my work. Work as fuck. Fuck off. I um I had to create a mantra for myself years ago that I wonder what today is going to bring. That's the first thought that comes into my mind every morning. Mm-hmm. And I had to do that consciously every day until it found a home and then it just started happening on autopilot subconsciously. So I don't literally say it to myself every day, but I know that what's coursing through me is this wonderment of I wonder what today is going to bring mm. because it, it opens my mind up. It's like opening the blinds first thing in the morning, then you can see the world. Yeah, I need to open my mind first thing in the morning. Yeah, so I can see the world as it is. It's a real, it's a real opening. I like that because it's not, not like as I want it to be. It's not yeah, waking up and going. All right, well, my day, everything's happening, and these are what's going to happen. These are the hours and minutes that it's going to happen. It's just saying, I wonder what will happen. It's a well, very because then, then you're just going to consume the day. You're not going to experience. Yeah. It. Yeah, and, and for me that wasn't working. And so. the days roll into each other, then the weeks, and it's the same uh, experience. I'm so amazed when uh, how often I hear people go, "Can't believe it's fucking August already." Yeah, <laughs> where have you been? Yeah, where have you been every day? If you can't believe, if you can't wrap your mind around the fact that it's August, it's already. like you bobbed your head down in February and then bobbed <laughs> it up again in August and went, what, what have you been doing that whole yeah. time? Which means we've been on, on autopilot yeah. a lot of the time. Totally. Yeah. I'll often with the whole, the wondering questions, um, it's a little exercise I like to use with people to help them start to watch their thoughts and experience is to um, use questions like that, just have them shut their eyes and say, I wonder where my next thought's coming from. I do that in meditation all the time. It's, a, it's a really good question to ask. In group class and I'm just, waffling on I've got no idea what I'm talking about and uh, but I, I catch myself I say oh and I wonder what it would be like to open your mind every morning so I'm not suggesting that someone do it I'm not demanding that people do it I'm planting a seed yeah and if there's fertile ground there it'll it'll take root and and generally our brain is fertile mm. we just don't ask the right questions mm. yeah so, all right okay we're, 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 get, we're already 53 <coughs> minutes, mate. We're really... What? We're 53 minutes in already. This is going to be a long one, people. Strap yourselves in. <laughs> uh, next one. Do you want to take the next one, Nick? Uh, sure. So you can't always be in control of everything. Oh. I love, I love it when people say, oh, no, I was really in control. Because what I hear is I was scared shitless and I was holding on out of fear. Yeah. That's so many people's understanding of control mm-hmm. i think can, people are completely fucking up what control really means yeah i think control is a a bit of a paradox in that the more i feel the need to control everything the less in control, in control. i feel out of yeah. control yeah. because i'm gonna everything has to be a certain way and then the more i let go of control the more i feel in control so uh, coming you know we talk about surrendering that's that is 
so liberating and empowering because you feel genuinely in control because you're not in control of anything. Yeah. It's like you're in control of your fear, I suppose. Yes. You can only control internally. You can't control anything in the external world. You can influence people and things, events to a degree, but you cannot control anything outside of who you are. Yeah, and that's that. I think that needs to be the number one priority for everyone is to say, I'm going to dedicate my life to... Controlling the controllable, Controlling my, my internal state yeah. so I can live a more content and peaceful life as opposed to trying to... Because at the end of the day, we're only controlling external things in the world because we want to feel okay inside. It's like if you, if you break your leg and you go into somebody's house that you've never been into before and you're on crutches. I think I've said this before. You, you're going to be in fear. You're going to what? Can you please move that? Can you Adjust make sure the furniture? Can you, can you yeah, make yeah. sure the kids don't run around? Can you make sure? Can you tie the dog up? Can you? And and people would go, oh, you're being very controlling, but you're not. You're very afraid mm. of getting hurt, and so it's understandable what you're doing. But if you keep doing it, or if you keep demanding and keep living in fear and misconceiving it as being controlled and that's that's where issues are going to arise so can yeah control is fear yeah yeah so yeah. if you're trying to control something you're afraid i believe that's so. another hard truth yeah. <laughs> admitting that you're afraid and that's what we're trying to control and it's like i like the visual is like we're trying to control we're like holding on to like an iron bar mm. and we're just holding on so tightly all the time because we're so worried about it and meanwhile our hands red and it's getting infected and it hurts when we don't realize if we let go we're get, nothing bad's going to happen i do this with clients so imagine this is two liters of water and i'm handing ryan a bottle mm-hmm. and hold it out straight in front of you and i, I get clients to do this and, I, all right, and then i just start talking for a couple of minutes just no, keep your arm. You're not allowed to put it down. You're not allowed to. You're not allowed to do anything. You have yeah. to keep it straight. And imagine two minutes has passed. And I'm like, how's how's that fear for you? Has it, has it gotten heavier? And and you say yes or no. Don't oh. nod. It's, it's radio. Yeah, I'm. Um, I could hold it all day. I'm pretty jacked. No, <laughs> <laughs> it would get it would get heavier. Would it get heavier? Oh no, it would feel heavier. Exactly. And this is the thing. Keep holding it. So people go, it's getting heavy, but we're not adding any weight to it. So it's not getting heavy. It's staying exactly the same as it was, but your muscles are tiring. Mm. Okay, so your ability to continue to hold it is diminishing. So then I say to people, what do you want to do? And I say, oh, I want to put it down. Well, you can't, all right, because you're carrying this around with you. You can't put it down. What else are you going to do? Oh, I'm going to support. So get your other arm and support your arm. Yep. Right, so now you're supporting your arm. Okay, does that feel better? That alleviates It's taken a little bit of the load, yeah. yeah. Okay, good. So now if I threw something at you... It would bop me in the head. It would bop you in the head. So yeah. now you are defenceless. Mm-hmm. Okay, you have literally disabled yourself because you are holding onto something from years ago that you think should have happened Yeah. instead of using forgiveness or acceptance and putting it down. This this becomes toxic and this... It, it, it really does start disabling you. Mm-hmm. So you can put it down now if you want. Oh, right. Yeah. But you, <laughs> that's a good, you, it's a good visual. You get the, the experiment? Yes. 100%. So I literally start throwing texts at my clients <laughs> and I'm like, you're now defenseless. You can't protect yourself from when other things start happening. So you're going to keep getting hit. Yeah. Uh, so especially like anger, 
you know, it's such it's like a forty-four gallon drum of radioactive fluid. Mm-hmm. Got to get rid of that shit. Hundred percent. Yeah, and for guys, anger's a big one. Mm. Holding on to it. Love that. That was a good one. Uh, well, let's move on. So, did we actually figure out not everyone will support you along the way? Yeah, because I think they won't, and it's okay with that not to have an expectation. But then, even the people that we don't don't seem to support us in the moment may be actually teaching us very important lessons. Ah, yeah. and, and it's only if we start to view things through that lens will yeah. we start to understand that. Uh, but also, be pleasantly surprised by people who do support you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and then so yeah, the control things. So I think the two main takeaways from the can't you can't always be in control of everything is that control is a paradox. The more we yeah. want to control everything, the less we feel in control, and that underneath us trying to control is fear. We're afraid, mm-hmm. and we can let go of that and realize surrender to it, and realize that hey, it's not going to be that bad. It actually takes more strength to let go than it takes to hold on to something. Yep, because you got to override that fear. Yes, because it's essentially like we're letting go and we're going to fall down an abyss and we don't know where the bottom is. We've got to step into trust instead of living in fear. Yeah. Trust the seaworthiness of your own ship. Love that, mate. All right. right. Next one. Uh, Kind of probably touched on this, but the next hard truth is people don't care what you want. They don't care. They don't give a fuck. They don't give a fuck. No. Uh, Yeah, that's, I suppose, being said of the universe again. It is, yeah. It reminds me that sort of brings up a... Um, Don Miguel Ruiz for agreements don't take anything personally yeah. he said how can you take anything personally when every single thing every one of us is doing in this planet is because of us yeah it's, it's hilarious when that ego jumps up and it says oh I know what she's thinking about me I know he's sitting at his house just you know ruminating over this and I, I know he wants to text me and I know <laughs> and you jump into all these unhelpful thinking styles yeah. and you start crystal balling and worst case scenario and the reality is if you had a camera on that other person, is they would be doing the dishes or having a wank or yeah. hitting golf balls or doing something. They've got you are not in their thoughts. What's, what's that saying? It's like you wouldn't you wouldn't care so much about what other people think if you knew how much they didn't care. Something like that. Yeah. Um, similar thing. It's like yeah, I'll like walk across the street here. And there might be two people crossing the road at the same time and they're having a giggle just as I walk past. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, have I got, I must have my, <laughs> my, my belt's undone, my fly's undone. And I'm like, oh, maybe they were just having a joke and didn't give, didn't even notice that I walked so past. I reckon, uh, that's, I reckon to me that's a, a degree of insecurity. Self, of course it is. Self-consciousness. Of course it is. Uh, but why? Why are we self-conscious? Why? Because we care. And the caring is another word for being attached. So we're so attached to the belief that we should be perfect. Yes. We're trying to protect our psyche. Yeah, well... When there's nothing really solid there to protect. But the core belief driving that behaviour is this belief that I must be perfect and I must be liked. Mm -hmm. When the reality is, another couple of hard truths, not everyone's going to like you and that you're not going to be perfect. Yeah. So get over yourself. Yeah. Pretty much. Get over myself. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's got nothing to do with you. It doesn't. Yeah, hundred percent. It's completely irrational. Stop inserting yourself into other people's worlds, or stop using other people to hit yourself. You're using them as a form of yeah. self-flagellation. Yes, flagellating again. Using these other people to flag. Because yeah, I think it's an important <coughs> point. Because people don't care, you know. And we might have like say you. You think your boss is is a cunt and that kind of thing, but at the same time, he's 
maybe stressed about how he's going to make payroll. He's having a shit people time. People got their own shit. People have all got their own shit. Yeah. I think it will be so amazing if we, I don't know, if there was some like, like I think one day we'll be able to just read each other's thoughts. Like, I mean, that'll be cool, yeah. right? Gosh. Right? <laughs> it'll be real fucked for the first <laughs> bit. But once we're, we're at that point, then once we understand how much everyone has these similar thoughts and how much everyone is struggling, we'll stop worrying so much about ourselves. Yeah, the reality is, that, you know, we'll go back to what I chatted about earlier, um, Dr. Dom's words that you are mediocre, you are ignorant and yeah. you are um, what is it? mediocre, ignorant and... I can't remember you were there. Yeah, slip my head. I'm still crook. Ignorant. Yeah, mediocre and oh. <laughs> average or something like that. Um, and that's true. We we are all the same. We all we all fart in our sleep. We all get up and put our socks on one foot at a time. We all sit down to do our business. We all um, burp. We all excrete gases. We all do all these things. Mm-hmm. None of us are unique really and and you know you, you grow up here oh you're so you're so unique you're so individual you're so you're fucking not you're the same as all of us i've yeah. got um a famous auntie and people go oh what's it like and i'm like i don't know because i genuinely she's just she's just my auntie yeah she's no different to anybody else yeah and i was talking about this with someone yesterday and they were saying we were talking about anxiety and he said, yeah, it's just, I'm really pretty good, but there's some instances at work and, you know, the the big head honcho will come down to check how we're going and I just, he's a really nice guy and everything, but I just fucking am worried I'm saying the wrong thing and all this and I'm like, well, it's because you've put him on a pedestal. That's the Oprah Winfrey syndrome. You know, the, the, the audience in Oprah? Mm-hmm. And everyone's Oprah mad, and I love Oprah, and Oprah's amazing, and she's wonderful, and what a strong, independent woman, and she's overcome all of these things, and oh, I'd never be like Oprah. They don't realize that they're using Oprah to devalue themselves. Yeah. And Oprah's out there trying to preach the opposite shit. Yeah. You know, she's like, you're all capable. You're of all, you can all yeah. do it. If I can do it, you can do it. You know, empowerment, empowerment, empowerment. Yeah. And these people are going, no, I don't want to be empowered. I just want to sit here and... This is the same with, yeah, spiritual teachers, religions like Jesus, you know, yeah. that people are like, oh, we're going to bow at his feet and worship yeah. him when he's saying the kingdom of heaven's in all of us. Yeah. We are all God, right, you know? So it's, yeah, this interesting thing that they're preaching one thing, but people think they're deficient compared to them. So they're like, ah, oh, this person's up here and I'm down here. That's well, human nature. We, we sort of... The band. <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus! We must be coming to the end of the show. Uh, that was a good one. I'll pay that. Uh, it is. It's a human nature that we need to get rid of. That we need to overcome. Is stop putting other people up on a pedestal. Stop devaluing yourself. This, stop, is, e- this is ego again. Stop putting yourself in the two dollar basement bin. So we're trying to we're trying to we're trying to understand where we fit. So it's like I walk into a room. Well, fuck, Oprah's up here. This person's no, below me. So I joke. No, no, but this is. I'm just saying. Yeah, this is yeah. what people do. This is like a. This is a natural egoic reaction to try and establish a hierarchy of of what's going on in my environment. So the people we put up on pedestals, we we minimise ourselves in comparison to, and the people we put in pits, we judge and go, oh, look at them for fucking up and that kind of thing. And we're constantly in this trying to fit ourselves so in Marcus somewhere. Aurelius um, worked his way around that by having someone whisper in his ear you know, in the chariot all the time you are just a man yeah you know he's the emperor of Rome 
Yeah, um, the most powerful man on the planet. Exactly, and he had he had the the foresight to employ someone to stand behind him and just repeatedly say, "You are just a man." That's just. I might get someone to do that for me. Oh fuck! I'll, I'll, I'll chip in. I'll, I'll just get like a get a like a you know a cocky who sits on my shoulder. You're just, just a man. <laughs> You're just a man. Hello, handsome. Okay, we're getting over time. We're gonna wrap this bitch up. All right. Um, so, uh, wait. There's two. We've got two left. <coughs> there's two left. Okay. Right. We're gonna whip through them. Okay. All right. I want to leave that second bottom one to last. So the next one's someone will always be better than you. Well, that's just the Marcus Aurelius. I'm just a man. I'm just a man. Yeah. It's just uh, you are not the greatest at anything. You know, you, you may be for a fraction of a second, but somewhere across the world, someone just lifted heavier than you if you did the world record. Or, That's right. So, it's and then even again. even then, other people are far superior in other areas of life. Exactly. You know, so well, it's that war on mediocre. But you 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 may be great at something, and you may you may have strengths in in certain areas, but you're going to have equal weaknesses in other areas. So by and large, you're going to be a zero. Yeah, and because it's, it's it's interesting you say that because you do find people who really become elite at one discipline, the rest of their life's a mess generally. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's a really common thing. Yeah. Um, so if yeah. there are 10 here, they're going to be a negative 10 yeah. in so many other things, which levels them out to being a zero. Yeah. But if you're a five here and a negative five there, you're still a zero. That's right. So we're all fucking zeros, people. We're all zeros. Get over yourself. Yeah. I'm just, my ego's taking a fair hit this episode. God, it needed to. It what? needs to. What? You're just a man. <laughs> uh, all right, the last one. Really important. Why did you have an Asian cocky on you? Because I'm going to get an Asian cocky. Can <laughs> 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 I feed it fortune cookies? I and don't know. Prawn crackers? Yeah. yeah. I'll get a whole packet of fortune cookies and every single one just says, You're just a man. <laughs> You're just a man. You're just a man. Uh, <laughs> last Indian one. now. <laughs> I was. <laughs> Nick, I'm really tired. I didn't get much sleep last night and I've got an Asian and Indian cocky on each <laughs> shoulder. Yourself, mate. The center, you're not the centre of the universe. <laughs> a wise man can always be found alone. A weak man can always be found in a crowd. Hashtag Ooh. Bruce Lee quote. Bruce Lee. He had some rippers. Hey, we're going to do a full podcast on quotes and I reckon Bruce Lee is going to dominate. He'll be prominent. He's going to dominate. He'll be prominent. Um, yeah, this this really resonates with me. Um, you know, there's another saying, a very old saying that says every, all problems that mankind faces stems from the fact that he can't sit alone with himself and his thoughts for half an hour. I, I love seeing new students come into the meditation class and you know who they are, even if you didn't know. Because they're the wigglers. They're the constantly moving and uh, and trying to adjust and uh, open your eyes, look around for a minute. (coughs) I think in this day and age, people are rushing. They're so busy. Um, And so at the end of every meditation class, this is the time. And if you have to rush off, please rush as slowly as possible. And... uh, people are really struggling to sit still. Mm-hmm. And especially looking at meditation, from the outside it looks like you're not doing anything. But as I explained to the students, if, for me, if you're meditating properly, you're working very hard. Uh, you're constantly checking in with yourself, you're uh, re-evaluating, reassessing, you're letting go, you're detaching, you're accepting, you're, you know, you're constantly working in that regard. So people look at meditation on the outside and just see stillness. Just you're not moving. Oh, you can't be achieving anything. 
but underneath that, there's a, 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 the duck feet are going like, like mad, going like crazy. So yeah. it's um, we have, we're, we're struggling with st- we're struggling with stillness. Be time. We we have so with you know part of our program here, we have people uh, do flotation tank therapy, mm. and um, you know last I'll, when people first come in, I'm running them through the program. So there's a couple of floats in the program. Have you heard of float tank therapy? So I'm like. I've heard of it. I haven't heard of it. Ones who've heard of it are like, yeah, I'm freaked out. I wouldn't do that. Yeah. And the ones who haven't, who I explain it to, they're like, oh, shit. Because what happens, I say, look, it's a sensory deprivation tank. So basically, where <laughs> Way to sell it. Yeah, that's why they've called flotation <laughs> tank therapy, right? Sensory <laughs> deprivation tank doesn't sound as uh, relaxing because, yeah, yeah. you know, we are always taking information in through our senses. So right now, I can see the cars outside. I'm looking at you. I can hear our voices coming through the headphones. I feel my bum on the chair. There's always information coming in. In the tank, you are floating in a pool of Epsom salts and yeah. water. Um, the water is the it's same buoyant. temperature as your skin, so you start to lose sense of where your skin ends and the water starts. There's some soft music that goes off, lights that go off, completely dark, so all of a sudden the information through my senses stops for an hour. <laughs> okay, no stimulus. Now, when I explain that to people, they're- Except for the thoughts in your head. Except for the thoughts in your head. And so now 95% of people I run through this are like, oh, that sounds absolutely horrible. Mm-hmm. And then you gotta say, why mm. why is that and we use the floats they are very good for stress and anxiety and you get a big hit of magnesium is all that good stuff but it's a real good test for us to how our therapy is going as well because if we can get someone who that scared the shit out of three or four weeks later they can do an hour float tank session and go that was awesome yeah we've got some real progress because yeah. i mean if you can't spend an hour just with yourself how can you spend true expect that. it to spend with other people true that brother yeah so yeah i, I so that concept of a wise man can always be found alone. Why Why is a wise man alone? I think because he's he's done the work where he's comfortable alone. Because he's, when it, cause I think it means the weak man. So the weak man will try and sit alone and he won't be able to and he'll need other people to go and be around to validate his existence. It's that pack mentality, I yeah. think. Is that a weak man can be... Always to be found in a crowd. It's like I, uh, you're not strong enough to stand in your own power and to be your own man. Mm-hmm. It's it's a I, I need the validation of others, or I need the support of others, or I need to use other people to yeah, climb. But we don't we don't use that language. We just say, oh yeah, no, if I'm sitting alone, like I just I'd rather be around people. Yeah, I like being around people. And then that's we don't get any deeper with it. We don't. Uh, this is why people come in even on drugs. Like oh, I just like to get fucked up. It's like that's what I used to say. I just like to get fucked up. It's deeper than that. Mm. Why do we like to get fucked up? Why do we always need to be around people and can't sit by ourselves without getting anxious or guilty or all this stuff coming up? You know, it's, it's always a lot deeper. So I think you need to start to ask that question. If you sit down alone for half an hour and you find it really difficult or you can't do it, then why? Mm. <laughs> have fun with that that's your homework people yeah homework and also actually the, the other bit of homework we've gone through eight hard truths here so some tough pills to swallow stuff that comes up in life that we've thought about and pushed away or we just try not to think about so Nick's drawing a really good diagram here we're going to try and explain it now so Nick can you try and explain this this diagram up here yeah if you if you send like the tube in England mm-hmm. the, the tube map it's sort of it's got a couple of it's like a, a, a fork in the road. It is. It's yep. a fork in the road. So you're travelling to the right and then there's an up, uh, a path leading up and there's a path leading down. And I've, the path leading up we call the hard path. Um, 
it's called the hard path because you've got to go into constructive thinking. So there's there'll be some stimulus which will trigger um, a reaction, okay, or a response. So it's easier to react and to go down the easy path into that destructive thinking of all the oh this is why I can't do it or oh, oh this is you know they're, they're talking they're laughing about me you know as you were talking about earlier um, the example of crossing mm. the road. <coughs> it's easier to go into that destructive thinking because that's on autopilot and that's just part of our programming and conditioning. Um, but when we keep doing that, life becomes harder. When we keep taking the easy path, even instant gratification, I'm going to go and eat Maccas. I'm hungry right now. I, I, need, I need something right now. Mm-hmm. Um, life's going to become harder later on. Yes. And then you're going to keep going around and around in these cycles. You, and it creates an I can't mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, so taking the hard path. So the just to wrap up the easy path. So the easy path is the easy decision in the moment yep. becomes the harder outcome and later on. It makes on. life dif- more difficult down the track because yes. you, you create a negative experience for yourself. Yes. And then you've got in your drawing that then loops around back to the start. So every time we reach a fork in the road, we keep reinforcing taking the easy way out. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So what happens? What so happens? it's like a, it, staying in a relationship that's toxic or staying at a job that you hate or staying wherever. It's, it's easier to buy into the limitations of why I can't leave instead of taking the hard path and going, all right, this is going to suck to a degree. This is going to be challenging. Finances are going to be all over the shop or I'm going to get my heart hurt or something. Some, it's, it's, going to, it's going to create discomfort or disease or something like that. But it's in my best interest. Life yep. is going to become easier after I do this. If I do this hard thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... So then you've got to use that constructive thinking to get yourself. So the constructive thinking is harder in the moment, but easier or a much better outcome later on. Yeah, that's okay. I can do this because I know that I can get another job, or I know that um, it's in both of our best interests not to be in this relationship anymore, or I know I can get on a plane and go travelling because it's going to broaden my horizons. uh, Right. Instead of instead of buying into all the limitations as to why I can't. So now the the active component of this is if our automatic go-to, our reaction is to take the easy path, mm-hmm. how do we train ourselves to start taking the hard path? So first you've got to catch yourself mm-hmm. and the, back to being mindful, I suppose. Um, so you can just imagine that train of thought, the train has left the station and it's in it's in destructive mode. Right? It doesn't even have a driver, it's just gone off on its own. And you catch that train in buying into the seventh limitation as to why you can't do something. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter where you start and catching it initially, as long as you start catching it. Ah, mm-hmm. oh, fuck! I'm in this headspace. I'm in this I can't headspace. Right, and then you got to laugh at yourself because if you start beating yourself up, it's just going to exacerbate things and make things worse. So you've got to laugh at how hilarious the irrationality of your mind is. All right, because of course you can do something. You just trying to convince yourself that you can't so it is literally hilarious All right. and then you got to rewind you got to bring that train back down the tracks back to the station take a breath All right i'm back at the crossroads and now i've got to consciously go into constructive thinking and can tell myself why i can do it and that that pathway that diagram is actually a neurological pathway as well so mm-hmm. when when you bring yourself back 
and you shoot a bit of protein down another path, it's it's going to create a new neurological pathway, and mm. that's going to become your new normal or your. So whilst it takes a lot of conscious effort early on, yeah, that process right. becomes easier and like easier. Th- three months. Three months. That's to, it. To create so let's use the analogy pathway. of the, the Macca's one. I like that. So we'll just use a real world thing. So I've decided I'm dedicated to my health. I'm going to stop eating shit. I want to feel, fuel my body and I want to, because I made this a priority. Right. Then I am driving home and I'm fucking starving and I see the golden arches yep. and I on autopilot, I'm like, I'm fucking in. starving. I pull in. I'm even in the drive-thru yep. in line. No, you can even be out of the drive. You can, you can be elbow deep in the bag halfway through a box of fries. Right. And you catch yourself. So even in that moment, you still haven't failed yet. No. Well, you haven't, there's no failures. No, no, I'm, I'm you, you haven't done anything than made an unhealthy decision. Yeah, that's not conducive with what you want. So down I'm the track. I'm halfway through me big mac and chips. Yeah, and I'm like, all it's right, dripping I'm, fat everywhere. I've I've just you're making me hungry. I've just done this again. Yeah, like I've, I've I've pulled in and I've unconsciously taken this in, but now I'm I'm aware but of what I've done. And in that awareness mm-hmm. is the first step. So in that awareness. It's now your first opportunity to create a shift. Yeah. And you, as hard as it, you may think it is, because it's only as hard as you think it is, it's not hard until you decide yeah. the degree of hardness of it. So as hard as you think it may be, you can chuck all of that back in the bag, pull up at the first bin and throw it out. Yeah. And, and, then, even, and even if you go ahead and continue and eat it, as by just by catching that and having a bit of a laugh and not beating yourself up, that's a step in I the right direction. I guarantee it won't taste as good. That's right. After you've come into because you become aware. Yeah, and so next time you catch yourself and you're in the drive-through and you're like, "Ah, oh, I'm here again." You start laughing. Hi, can I take your order, please? And you're yeah, like, sorry. Yeah, just a water, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> and seriously, just grab yeah. a water and kick on out the yeah. other side. Then and imagine how empowered you're going to feel driving out. Yeah. Imagine what that feeling of And not just then, but even when you get home and that yeah. meal you prepared the to finish the healthy effect, one. The ripple effect yeah. of that. You don't go stuck in the loop, you actually get moving forward. And so the next time you might be on the pain highway and you go to put your blinker on and then you stop and you just keep driving. Exactly. And now we're wiring this yeah. hard decision in the moment a better outcome later on. Yeah. Bloody beautiful, Nick. Thanks, man. I love it. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed those eight hard truths and I hope you got something out of this episode. Uh, Any questions or anything you want us to talk about, shoot us an email, wokeblokespodcast at hotmail.com. And yeah, that's it. We'll uh, see you all in the next episode. Peace. Peace. Thank you for tuning in to the Woke Blokes podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. Also, leave us a five-star rating. We thank you so much, and we'll see you all next time.